Welcome to the 50th episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gaddy O'Carnahana, speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Nothing out of the ordinary today, just our week five takeaways and the rookie-filled waiver wire going into week six. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. Week five is, for the most part, in the books. We're still waiting on a potential Titans-Bills game, and we know for sure the Saints and Chargers game tonight is going to happen. Uh, this is being recorded on Monday, by the way, being posted on Tuesday. Just so you guys know, we're, we're not going to be able to talk about those two games. We can give you takeaways from Thursday Night Football on Sunday, and that is exactly what we're going to do. So just to start things off really quick, I want to go over maybe one of my biggest takeaways, especially from Thursday Night Football. Um, you can say what you want about Tom Brady being washed, whatever. What I saw from this game is the fact that David Montgomery is going to see top 10 volume. And when I say that, I mean, he's going to get 12 to 15 carries. He's going to see anywhere from four to eight targets a week. Um, And he's also going to get goal line work. And you really can't ask for much more, especially for a guy you drafted in the fifth or sixth round. Listen, I don't love the way David Montgomery started off his rookie year, but I'm not going to get locked into one take. Um, He has improved a little bit as a player this year and he's getting the ball. And with Tariq Cohen's injury, the bears have to trust him. So if you own David Montgomery, there's going to be RB1 weeks. Um, it's just going to happen based on the volume he's going to have. He could fall into the end zone twice. But you can honestly start him as a really good flex or RB2 and feel completely confident. I am i don't love this Bears team. I don't love anything about them, really. But they're 4-1. and one. Um, They're clearly not going to be a bad team, or at least not clearly, but I don't think they will at this point. Uh, they're a playoff contender for sure. And if you're a team with a good defense – uh, shoddy quarterback play and you're trying to win as many games as you can by pretty much winning the time of possession battle David Montgomery's going to be a big part of that offense regardless of whether we like it or not it's David Montgomery and Allen Robinson and then everybody else is picking up the scraps but David Montgomery is someone that I would still I mean I'm not sure what his output was last week I think yardage wise he only had like 50 something yards but he had a touchdown um, I think like seven catches though like he was getting a lot of targets so even against Tampa Bay, he put up decent fantasy numbers. I'm, would you say he's a top 20 feels like a kind of obvious, but would you say he's a top 15 running back down the stretch or no? I think he has the opportunity to do so. I don't, I don't see him as a top 15 running back just yet because we haven't seen him. We, like you said, we haven't seen him really put out the, the yardage output. He kind of, because of the game script and the offensive strategy that they had last game, he kind of took over with the pass catching a lot and um, obviously had the touchdown during the game. So uh, I'd like to see him put up more yardage before calling him a top 15 back. But um, yeah, I mean, David Montgomery is someone that has uh, exceeded the expectations of ours. I think that we had him ranked outside of the top 20 uh, before the season. So um, yeah, I'm definitely, it, it, it was a good surprise to see uh, David Montgomery kind of solidify himself in this backfield and show his, his versatility overall. And honestly, props to him because he played a good game against a very stout Tampa Bay defense. And moving forward, he's going to have much easier matchups because he's not going to have to play against that defense again. Yeah, so getting into the matchups, I was just looking at it really quick. Um, I'm looking at his schedule. He has Panthers, Rams, Saints, Titans, Vikings, Packers, Lions, Texans, Vikings again, and Jaguars in the fantasy championship game. So the only matchup I'm scared of for the rest of the season for him is the Saints. 
Um, yeah, I think honestly, uh, not to be hot takey or anything, I think he's more likely than not to finish as a top 15 running back right now. Um, maybe the efficiency won't be there, but volume is king, especially in this season where I feel like everyone's getting injuries. If he's able to stay healthy, I think from this weekend on, he could be a top 15 running back. But we'll get into more takeaways um, from around the league. One thing I want to say uh, really quick, A.J. Green is cooked. He's not engaged. He doesn't look involved. I think T. Higgins, uh, is he's very quietly uh, putting together a really good rookie year so far. If you watch him play, he's, he's pretty much getting open for Joe Burrow. He's had a few drops. But he, he looks like he's much further along as a receiver than most people expected him to be out of Clemson. Uh, he's going to be a good player in the NFL. And he's someone that for his rookie year, at least, with the volume he's getting, uh, which he's on pace for 120 targets, you can pretty much flex him any given week. And he's going to be a red zone threat. He's going to get yards. He's a big play guy. His yards per reception was at over 15 through his first three NFL starts. Um, Tyler Boyd's a number one option in this uh, receiving core. But a or AJ Green is quickly fading away. Would not be surprised if they try to trade him for nothingness. And T. Higgins is going to be pretty damn good. Uh, I'm I'm buying him as a flex for the rest of the year. I, I like I like T. Higgins as a flex. I like that take there because with Joe Burrow throwing the ball as much as they have overall, like the Bengals, they they've definitely improved, and I think that they low key had a pretty good game against the Ravens, considering how. Um, the current state of their team and the current state of the Ravens team. I think that the defense looked good, but overall, like the, the Bengals are going to continue the, to pass the ball. And if T Higgins is going to be the number two option, assuming that AJ green either continues to be washed on the team or is just eventually traded. Like if T Higgins is the number two option in this team, like he's at least a flex option. So uh, yeah, I, I really like T Higgins and uh, redraft, I think that it's a good opportunity to buy him low and either redraft or dynasty, especially in dynasty, honestly, because like I just think that this Bengals offense is on the come up. But yeah, if I think that AJ Green being traded is, I want to say it's more likely than any other skill player to be traded at this moment in time, just because like, he, like you said, he just does not look engaged with the Cincinnati Bengals uh, team. And he honestly does not fit with them because he's 31, I think 31, 32. They're really looking to go young. There's, there's several teams out there that would be willing to take a chance on a guy like AJ Green, given his potential, even if it's, even if you're getting like a sixth or seventh round pick for him, like it's, it's, for some pe for some teams, it's worth the opportunity. So, uh, if the Bengals wanted to open up more opportunity for T. Higgins and more younger guys, I think that it, moving AJ Green would be the move. But even at the even if he stays, I think that T. Higgins is going to continue to improve throughout the season. He's going to fix up the rookie mistakes that he's been making. But overall, he looks very talented. Just needs to clean up a few things. I like I like T. Higgins as at least a flex moving forward. Yeah, this this rookie. So there was two classes that were really hyped up. The rookie running back class was obviously hyped up by yours truly. I really think Jonathan Taylor, uh, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, uh, even Claudio Delaire and Cam Akers. I think they're all going to be difference makers at the NFL level, but it's not happening yet. I think they're having the learning curve that we thought the receivers would have. These receivers so far have been plug and play and go to work. Uh, Chase Claypool with one of the best rookie performances I've ever seen. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, T Higgins has also put on a great performance. CD lamb is number five in the NFL in receiving yards right now. 
and he's tied with Calvin Ridley. Um, but I think, or he has like 30 yards less than Calvin Ridley on like, like 20 less targets. Like he doesn't even need that much volume in order to produce. He's just, he's a baller. He's so good. He's got that DeAndre Hopkins in him with a lot of dog. Like it's just, he's so fun to watch. I'm a big fan of CD. Um, Travis Fulgham, not a rookie, but he also balled out, uh, giving Carson Wentz some hope. They did lose that game, but one, the Steelers secondary is kind of starting to worry me. I feel like we're seeing these guys put up big performances against them. So I want to see what they look like against a better offense, I want to say, because we know how good the Steelers defense is, and the Steelers offense looks really, really good. Like, they are a Super Bowl contender right now, but I am intrigued to see how their defense looks against a, a really good passing attack. Um, I'm not really sure when exactly they're going to see one like that, but I am excited to see how Steven Nelson and Joe Hayden are able to hold up. Um, some other takeaways here. Uh, this one pains me, and this is going to be me admitting that I was wrong. This is my guy. He scored a 57-yard touchdown this year or this week. Uh, probably going to be the only one this year. But it's just for some reason Bridgewater just hates DJ Moore, and I don't – the, the numbers were there yesterday. The production was there, but I don't see it changing – uh, from the way it's been. I think you're going to see a guy who's going to have those boom games. He's going to have big plays. He's going to have, uh, at the end of the year, it's going to be solid wide receiver two production, but it's not going to be pretty and you're not going to be happy owning him in fantasy. Uh, that's where we're at with DJ Moore. It sucks because I was convinced this dude could see like 150, 160 targets and his explosive, like all around, like complete game with yards after catchability would help him get to that wide receiver one top. I, we, I mean, I was the one that was vouching for him to being top five. So, like, it's just I was wrong with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Teddy Bridgewater. They just have a connection. And DJ Moore, for as unguardable as he may have looked in camp, um, he's unguardable now, but they're not throwing him the ball. I mean, two clear touchdown deep ball opportunities against the Falcons this week, and Teddy Bridgewater decides to take a dump off to Mike Davis on one of them and a short drag out to Robbie Anderson on the other. It's just he has a connection with those two guys. And DJ Moore is going to be feeling it all year. His numbers are not going to be as good as they could. And Bridgewater is playing good. That's the worst part. It's not like what they're doing isn't working. What they're doing is working. And DJ Moore not being the focal point of the offense is working. So it's, it's a big problem for DJ Moore owners. I don't want to say sell because I feel like you still can't get as much as he's worth. But if you can try to get someone that is probably going to be more targeted on a more consistent basis, maybe like, I don't know who, honestly, I couldn't tell you who to even target for him, but like DJ Moore is just, it's tough. Drafting him in the third or fourth round, it is tough and it is not working out. He's going to be a wide receiver too, but not the wide receiver one that I was, I thought we were going to get and that people who drafted him were hoping for. Yeah, it's definitely disappointing drafting him in the third round, especially if you want running back heavy in your draft, you're expecting him to come out and be a wide receiver one, but it sucks. But I think, during the second half of the stretch of the season, I could definitely see him turn it up because uh, you mentioned that like he, he's kind of being ignored in the offense and it's working out now, but like when they, it's not always going to be this easy for the, the Carolina Panthers, in my opinion. And at some point they're going to have to rely on DJ Moore to be the guy that he was in training camp, the guy that the Panthers know that they have. So I don't know. I, I, I also I, I believe that uh, Robbie Anderson has also solidified himself as the wide receiver one in this offense, just because, you know, t like you said, Teddy Bridgewater and him have that connection. I believe that they 
they spend some time together in with the Jets organization. Um, and Matt Rule did coach Robbie Anderson at Temple. So I guess there is a connection there that DJ Moore doesn't have. But overall, I wouldn't be... I don't think it's a good time to sell DJ Moore just because you're kind of selling him low now. Yeah. I think that, I mean, you, you could, you could, if somebody's just looking at the stat sheets, I, maybe you could sell him for a mid to high wide receiver too. But I don't know if you can't get anything more than that, I would just hold on tight with him because like for the most part, like he, he's just, I think that his floor or his, his expectation now is to finish in like the, mid to low wide receiver two range, but I still see him having that potential to finish as a high wide receiver two, low wide receiver, wide receiver one. So I would just, for the most part, I would just hang on to DJ Moore. Yeah. It really just sucks because like, even on that, like he literally took a three yard, like whip route and just went to the house. He's so explosive after the catch and they're just not giving him opportunities to do it. It makes (laughs) no sense because Robbie Anderson throughout his career has been the deep ball like big play downfield guy and they just completely flipped roles and i get it they may have a connection but it just you can use both of them as like run after catch guys that's what i don't understand about this offense right now it's like there's just robbie anderson getting everything and i don't see a reason why they would go away from it i mean it's working that's the worst part about this whole thing for dj moore is there there's no reason for them to turn to him um if robbie anderson something happens he stops playing well whatever maybe but right now he's balling out and credits to him he's having a great year after pretty much playing under adam gase forever so he's taking a step forward as a wide receiver dj moore looks really good but just not getting the work that you want um any other takeaways here um obviously dak prescott with the tragic injury that was just terrible to watch feel bad for him his entire family and just the entire dallas cowboys organization um they're the good thing is they have they have a good backup plan in Andy Dalton he's probably one of if not the best backup in the NFL right now so he can come in he's going to be serviceable but at the end of the day you're still losing Dak Prescott who in my eyes definitely at least a more than above average quarterback in the NFL and he's definitely a leader so this offense I think is going to take a hit they might be more methodical rather than like trying to get splash plays up and down the field so I think you're going to see a lot more Zeke being involved. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, who's playing the slot, I think you'll see a lot of him involved as well. Um, like pretty much a really upgraded version of Tyler Boyd is what CeeDee Lamb is probably going to be for the rest of the year. And we love that because we already love Tyler Boyd. Um, Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper do take big hits because I don't know if Dak is going to have the chemistry or uh, Dalton's going to have the chemistry. Obviously, well, Michael Gallup, he may be not – he may not lose that much because his value was already really low. And then Dalton comes yeah. in and he trusts him down the field, which is what you want to see. Like Gallup's two catches to win that game yesterday. Like they, they show you everything you need to know about Gallup. He's a like big play, go up and get it kind of guy. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL, but he just doesn't get credit for it. That whole receiving core is stacked. I do think Amari Cooper takes a big hit after starting off top five was going to have a career year. I think he might start to regress a little bit. Um, we did see one of those Amari Cooper, I'm going to go to sleep games. And he just did like, I get it. James Bradbury was on you and he's a really good corner, but Amari, you have to beat that. You're a $20 million man or $18 million man. You have to be able to produce. He wasn't able to do it, but they got the win still leading the division at two and three. Um, I think so Tyler, I just want you to tell me if they go up or down uh, Ezekiel Elliott up or down with the DAC uh, injury. I think that 
I think he was more affected by the injuries on the offensive line. I think that he kind of stays stays put with the Dak injury. So um, I could definitely see him getting a bit more uh, tar- target volume in the passing game. So I'm going to say stand put. Okay. I, I agree with that. I, I think he he's pretty much – if he was a top three running back, maybe he moves down to being like top five. Sure, but yeah. He's that's still that's a minuscule difference. It's just moving down because this whole ceiling of the offense moves down. But Zeke, at the end of the day, he still looks better than he's looked in years past. Like, this is as good as he's looked since his rookie year. Um, even without the offensive line being dominant, he's he's just so good. So, he's going to produce. Um, Amari Cooper. I think he definitely goes down because, uh, for one, he's not he, – he's already been an inconsistent player throughout his career. But I think that with Andy Dalton at quarterback, he's going to continue to be inconsistent, maybe a little bit more inconsistent. And then, two – with that inconsistency, he heavily relied on his big games that he would have. And going from Dak Prescott to Andy Dalton, those big games aren't going to be as big. So, yeah, I, I can definitely see. I think that the biggest hit to this offense is Amari Cooper. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Amari definitely takes the biggest hit. Uh, there's no guarantee he sees. He could very well stay the same and just be that uh, like safety valve that he was for Dak. But at the same time, you just don't know if the chemistry is completely there. Um, and CeeDee Lamb coming out of the slot is the reason why I think Amari Cooper takes a hit. CeeDee Lamb is emerging as that safety valve who's making contested catches, who's making big plays over the middle of the field, which are really easy. Not that Dalton's a scrub by any means. He's a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. But um, I think he's definitely going to play a little more conservative, at least to start, especially with this defense where – you can't afford to turn the ball over being the Dallas Cowboys. You can't do it. You have to get that production every chance you get because the defense gives up points all over the field. So uh, CeeDee Lamb, I think we'd assume is obviously, if not going, if not, if not staying the same, he's at, he's going up. Yeah. So I, yeah, I agree I with that. Um, pretty much. I don't know. Cause CeeDee Lamb's already been getting a lot of volume yeah. throughout these past few weeks. Like I feel like he's just continuing to get better uh, every game. And I think that he just continues on his trajectory because I think that Andy Dalton gives him similar target volume as Dak Prescott would. Yeah, CD's just – he's so good. He's I, One of my takeaways that I'm posting on Instagram here is I would not be surprised if fantasy-wise he was the number one receiver for the Dallas Cowboys this year. He's just – he's so good. He hasn't really been falling into the end zone uh, too much. I think he has, what, like two touchdowns so far. But um, if, those end zone, if those end zone targets come – Ooh, CD, he could be one of those rookie receivers that finishes like a wide receiver one. I feel like we haven't had that in a long time since like Michael Thomas rookie year where he like really turned it on down the stretch. I think that's what we could be headed towards with CD um, and Michael Gallup. So does he go up, down, stay the same? What's the deal with him? You know, considering what his value has been at this whole season, I'm going to say can't get much worse than this. Because, like, for the most part, like, I think he's been getting, like, four targets a game. Something great. Like, yeah, just, like, not getting not enough. enough looks at all. And, you know, Andy Dalton targeted him a couple times down the stretch. But, um, you know, I, I just expected – I really thought that this was going to be the big game for Michael Gout because uh, the Giants just don't really have much of a, a pass rush or a pass rush that can compete with uh, – Dallas's offensive line so even with Andy Dalton at quarterback I was kind of disappointed with uh Michael Gallup's stat line so 
I don't know. I think that he really stands put. Maybe if anything, if he doesn't stand put, he goes down, but definitely not up. It just sucks. Ah, I really hope they trade him yeah. at some point. I, I, I'm such a big Michael Gallup can, fan. Um, I yeah, just I they really can hope get they serious value for him. Yeah. Uh, another player, this is not really fantasy related, but another player that I wonder if they trade him now that they're 0 5, if they maybe lose like one or two more games before the deadline. Um, the Atlanta Falcons, you're pretty much hiring a new GM, new coach interim head coach at least is there um and julio jones is still he's still in my opinion at the tail end of his prime but i think he's still in his prime when he's healthy he just hasn't been healthy so if you give him like one or two weeks to recover if you're zero and seven or one and six maybe you trade julio jones for like a first round pick new gm get that contract off the books kind of start with a clean slate build your team uh the right way uh because julio jones he's a win now player he knows that i think they the organization should do right by him and try to trade him maybe for a first, maybe a second and a fourth round pick somewhere that he can really put in work. Like Baltimore comes off as one of the places that could give up some good capital for him. Um, New England as well. Uh, I mean, even like Tennessee, I don't know. There's, there's a ton of places that I think he could fit, not even in the NFC, just in the AFC where Julio Jones can make a difference, but that's just kind of how I feel. Um, about the thing it sucks that the Falcons are literally rebuilding and also um, I have to say this uh, I'm pretty much obliged to because I, I do admit when I'm wrong Todd Gurley balled out this week and he actually looked good in doing so the usage was there um, the passing usage was there he I watched him break a tackle I was kind of confused as to what was going on but he did it so that was good for him um, and I, I'm not even going to say sell Todd Gurley this week I'm going to say hold for a little bit because he still has some good matchups. And if Julio Jones isn't there, he's being involved. Um, that's kind of what we're looking at with Gurley now. If Julio's there, it looks like they're very pass heavy, but maybe they're realizing that it didn't really work that much. And yes, he played against the Panthers and they were just letting everybody but the pass game eat. But I don't know. Not not terrible from Todd Gurley, I have to say. Today was this, or yesterday was a step forward for him, at least. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I watched a little bit of that game, and like you said, it was it was kind of weird seeing him break tackles. Uh, looked a little bit like Todd Gurley of old, but it's just a matter of how much how much of that we see consistently. So, um, yeah, if you can see if he can put a, if he can string together a few more games, I think that the opportunity to really sell high it yeah. can can come in a couple of games because. I mean, what is it? He had a stat line of, what, 14 uh, rushes for 100-and-something yards, 110 yards, and then a touchdown. And, like, like that, uh, that like looks – Four catches, too. Yeah, so that looks fantastic right now. Um, unless you can get something like a, like a high running back two, low running back one, or like a, like a solidified wide receiver one, like I would, hang, I would hang on to Todd Gurley at the moment because I think that looking at his – What's the schedule look like moving forward? Um, I want to say he has like Detroit, Minnesota, and then Carolina again. Okay, so if he can string together a few more games, I think that you could really sell high on yeah. Todd Gurley because um, if you're just looking at the stat line, he could be he he could look like the Todd Gurley of old to someone else. So uh, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd hold on to Todd Gurley for now unless you can get something of uh, pretty high value. Yeah, um, yeah, that's I agree with that. That's pretty much how I feel on the subject. Um, 
And yes, the last takeaway I want to get into before we go into waivers here, there's a few more that are going to be posted on Instagram. So if you do listen to this podcast and you don't follow us there, make sure you check that out at First Take Fantasy. But if you do follow the Instagram, obviously you will see this takeaway. I think Chase Claypool's emergence, because he's not going away. Uh, If you watch him play, he deserves to be on the field at all times for this team. He's a great blocker, contested catch, run after catch. He's the real deal. He, for... As much as we always say this, we were wrong about him. For as much as we might have been wrong about him, consider me all aboard the Chase Claypool train now. I saw everything I needed to see on Sunday. Um, And it's not like it was a fluke. He's been making these big plays, splash plays, like once every game. And yesterday was just a coming out party. There's a realistic threat that he's the best receiver fantasy-wise on this team for the rest of the year. And I don't think we're exaggerating because of how explosive he is. He is pretty much juju- and Deontay Johnson's games, the good part of their games, put together um, and make him a little bit taller and give him some dreads. That's what he is. Chase Claypool kind of has a good ring to it. He's going to be a star in this league. The Steelers hit on this pick. And my biggest thing, um, yes, Chase Claypool is someone that you absolutely should be prioritizing on the waiver wire right now because of the Steelers offense. They are good. They are productive. He's going to be using the red zone, all that good stuff. But – he's going to limit the ceiling of Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster. Going into the season, we thought Juju had low wide receiver one upside. Deontay Johnson had mid wide receiver two upside. Um, I don't think that's the case for either one of them anymore. I think they're both going to take a step back. Ceiling and floor both lower on a week-to-week basis, which from a fantasy perspective sucks because people invested a lot into Juju Smith-Schuster and people might have traded a lot to get Deontay Johnson, but Chase Claypool has come in and I really don't want this to be like an overreaction Monday kind of thing where we say all this about Chase Claypool and then he doesn't keep playing. But I don't see, as the Pittsburgh Steelers, how you can keep this kid off the field. I understand Deontay Johnson was hurt. Um, move Deontay Johnson around. Move Juju Smith-Schuster around. Keep Chase Claypool on the field. He just adds a different element to this offense that we have not seen since Antonio Brown left, honestly. Um, I know that's been like a year or whatever, but like this is what they wanted Martavis Bryant to be is what Chase Claypool is, except he's exceeding expectations on it. It's I don't know how the Steelers pull this shit off, but they do it year in and year out. They hit on receivers and Ben Roethlisberger has another stud. He's going to be a stud X receiver for Ben Roethlisberger for maybe years to come. I don't know how much Ben's got left in the tank, but he's going to be there for a while. Chase Claypool is legit. And I think it hurts Juju and Deontay. Yeah, on the note with Ben, I think that he has a couple more years max. Maybe I think after this year, the maximum is two more years. But anyways, with Chase Claypool, he's basically, in my eyes, just like juju, but juiced up. Like he he runs like the 4-3-40. Like he's a bit taller than him. And he pretty much does everything that Juju did as a rookie and then some. Um, so like you said, it's going to be very difficult to keep him off the field. He's definitely... Uh, 100% surpassed James Washington in the lineup, which we didn't really see much of uh, in games past. Like he was just kind of filling in for Deontay Johnson in uh, other games. But man, like the, the plays that we've been seeing, not only this week or yesterday, like in weeks past, like he is just showing a, a skill set that like we just, it's literally Juju Smith Schuster, but better. So um, I think that leaves a question in dynasty purposes, like is Juju Smith-Schuster going to be extended? I don't think that's an over-exaggeration at all because like, 
like Chase Claypool's legit. Like we, we've been saying it ever since I think the um, I think the first time I realized it was the catch against the Giants or maybe the, the touchdown against the Texans. But like he is absolutely legit. And he's definitely the future for the the Steelers. And if you already have that, then what's the point of spending what like 16 to 18 million dollars a year on a guy like Juju Smith Schuster mm-hmm. when you have other guys on rookie contracts and Deontay Johnson and James Washington. So um yeah, Juju Smith Schuster is definitely in question in Dynasty. He could be a sell once he starts putting stringing together some big games because he could go chase the bag. He could go hang out with his boy Sam Darnold in uh New York. Who knows? But um yeah, with Chase Claypool for a redraft, I think that uh, Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster, I think that Juju takes the biggest hit because, like, he he was the guy that you drafted in the fourth round and sometimes in the third round. Like, he was expected to be either a, a high wide receiver two or low wide receiver one. And even with Deontay Johnson out, like, he wasn't getting that same same volume. I don't think that he scored since the Giants game. Um where he had two touchdowns. I think he had and one against Emer- Houston. Did he? he? Against, yeah, but like a, like a blown coverage, like wasn't anything impressive. It was just a drag route and he went in for 20. Because um, I know that was the game Deontay was out, right? Yeah, Deontay left the Texans game. Yeah, so, so I think I, I'm, um, Juju, I'm almost positive he scored that game, but I agree with you. Um, It's going to be fun. I think we should do like a dynasty episode, kind of like talking dynasty wise. Uh, maybe like a mid-quarter season review sort of thing just to talk about things, but not to get too much into Dynasty here. I like Is it an overreaction to say Chase Claypool might be the wide receiver one to own? In like, like, would you not trade Juju straight up for Chase Claypool, but like if you think Juju's going to leave Pittsburgh where his volume was what made him a wide receiver one, like what is Chase Claypool going to be is my question. I don't even know. Like, this is just unprecedented success this early. Like everyone went bonkers for AJ Brown last year and understandably so he was really, really good. Um, what Chase Claypool did yesterday is something that not even AJ Brown was doing. And it, it's just, it's crazy to me. This is the most dominant rookie game I've seen in such a long time. And the Eagles couldn't do anything about it. Just nothing. There was mm-hmm. no way for them to stop Chase Claypool. Yeah. And you know, I think my biggest knock on Chase Claypool going into or like uh, in the offseason after we had drafted him and before the season was like his overall route running, his fluidity in just like running the ball. And like, man, he, he's proving me wrong. Like he, he had a catch and like went up, run after a catch. Like he's just such a mismatch for corners. Like people thought that he, he would have been a a tight end and would have been a mismatch there. Like he's a mismatch for five, 10, five, 11 guys. Yeah. Uh, buck 80 pounds, like buck 90. And like he's six, five playing at 227 pounds running a four, three forty, And is basically like any 50, 50 ball is like, it's 70, 30 to Claypool's favor, 80, 20 mm-hmm. against these guys. So um, as far as rookie receivers, like he, he's like, Given his situation, he's up there. Like, I I think that when we're talking about rookie receivers, I think that CD's solidified himself as number one. Uh, Justin, then you got you have number two, 
Justin Jefferson's up there. I think that I'd take T Higgins over Justin Jefferson for being honest, just because of the situation. Yeah. Um, we, we still haven't gotten to see Jalen Rieger. I'm still very high on him, but um, I agree with that. I think Jalen Rieger is kind of a buy low right now because he's, I mean, he's, on, like, he's what, sitting on waivers or are you talking about dynasty? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 If you, if you wanted to pick up Rieger, I'd wait a couple more weeks. Cause he's out like a good, what eight to 10 weeks. Uh, they said six to eight. Let's see how he's recovering. But anyways, keep going. I'll uh, update it. Yeah, so I would say rookie receivers, uh, CD1. Are we talk- I'm going to talk dynasty, like straight up dynasty. Um, you got to go quick. Tegan's, Tegan's two, Justin Jefferson three, Claypool four, Judy five. Ooh, Ooh. Claypool over Judy. That doesn't sound Ooh. right to me. It doesn't, but I like don't know. I don't know if I can move Claypool up that much because I, I mean redraft wise, I think it's really good. I don't want to overreact because he's gonna have a quarterback change or whatever, um, at some point. Um, and like this this wide receiver class, I think the biggest takeaway is this wide receiver class is special. And if you can get your hands on any of these guys right now, do so. Like there's players making plays left and right all over the field, things that you love to see. Um, some players that I think you should be picking up for redraft at least. Um, off the top of the head, T. Higgins, I think he's still not over 50% owned. Go ahead and grab him. He's a guy that could turn into a wide receiver, too, by the end of the year. Um, everything that you've wanted to see, he's checked every single box. Um, he's done everything you wanted to see. Go ahead and get him on your teams if you can. Even if he doesn't have that much of a productive week, just keep him there. He's the type of player that just should not – his upside should not be left on waivers right now. Um, Chase Claypool, obviously – after, what, a 40-point game, you're going to go ahead and pick him up. Four touchdowns, over 100 yards from scrimmage. Absolute baller. So go ahead and get Claypool as well. Um, LaVisca Chenault is another guy I want to talk about. He is looking like he's not – like, we thought he was going to be a complimentary piece to uh, DJ Chark. I think they have a one-two punch now. I think he's the 1B to Chark's 1A. And the way Chark can stretch the field and get open deep and Chenault can work underneath the safeties – and in between the linebackers is impressive. I think they have a really good duo. Whatever quarterback they draft next year, assuming that they draft one, it's going to be fun for them. But LaVisca Chanel is someone that also I don't believe his upshot, his upside should be sitting on waivers. He himself looks like an absolute stud. And we haven't seen the breakout game yet, but it is going to come with Chenault. And maybe you don't start him, but once that breakout happens, people always flock to trade for these young rookies um, when they have a big game. I think... LaVisca Chenault is going to have a big game and become one of those guys. Another receiver, not a rookie, Travis Fulgham. He went over 120 yards against the Steelers. Ten catches, um, one touchdown. Maybe was it two? I'm not really sure. Um, One. One touchdown, yeah. So, obviously, he's someone that you probably aren't flocking to the waiver wire to grab, but don't allow him to go unclaimed either because if he can follow this up with another 15-plus point performance – You're looking at some serious trade bait or someone that you can actually plug into your lineup if you're lacking with receivers, bye weeks, whatever. He has some pretty good upside, and he's outshone every receiver that they have. So I don't care, draft capital, whatever. Watch the kid play. He can play. He's a good football player, and that's what you prioritize once they're on the field in the NFL. Draft capital and everything, that gives you maybe potential. That gives you an idea of what they could be. But for redraft, you don't care about that. Just go ahead and grab him. Even in Dynasty, go ahead and just – Put in a claim for Travis Fulgham. See if he can turn into anything more because I don't think you go for 10 catches, 120 yards, and two, maybe one touchdown for a fluke. Um, just, it, it, I don't think it happens on accident. You have to have some sort of skill and ability and talent. 
that allows you to do so. So that's another player that I would go ahead and grab. Tyler, am I missing anyone in terms of waivers? Uh, also, Brandon Cooks, if he was dropped in your league, go ahead and pick him up. I know he was dropped in multiple leagues, but are we missing anybody else? Uh, the full Travis Fulgham stat sheet was 13 targets, 10 catches, 152 yards, and a touchdown. 152? Um, yeah. He, he he would, you guys he gave up 152 to Travis Fulgham? Don't Jeez. remind me, man. Joe Hayden overrated. But, Chase Claypool um, stole the show, but Travis Fulgham. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, like, it's against Pittsburgh. You guys are good defense. It makes no sense to me. It really makes no sense. You mentioned uh, draft capital. The second round pick of last year, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside had one catch with 37 yards compared to Travis Fulgham's uh, tremendous stat line. Just wanted to point that out there. Um, another guy, well, a um, few players. Quarterback Andy Dalton, obviously, oh, yeah. he is a good matchup this week uh, against Arizona, who uh, just lost Chandler Jones uh, out for season. So, um you don't really know. We don't really know what we're going to get from Andy Dalton overall. So I think that he could, he has the opportunity to be a startable player every week because of this offense, because of the weapons that he has. So I would put in, if you're desperate at quarterback, I would put in a waiver claim for Andy Dalton. Alexander Madison, uh, we saw him go off last night against the Seattle Seahawks. Um, we, Dalvin Cook has a groin injury. We don't know the seriousness of it yet. So if, Alex, Alexander Madison is available in your league. Go pick him up. Damien Harris, who uh, we just saw uh, the last week against the Chiefs, kind of have a pretty competent game. I think it was like 14 uh, carries, over 100 yards. But um, he's another guy that, that has some trade value right now. Uh, I don't think you mentioned Miko Hardman. Sammy yes. Watkins. Miko, he's alive. Sammy Watkins is going to be out for a couple of weeks, which obviously opens up the opportunity for Miko Hardman to get some reps over it as the number three with, I think, Demarcus Robinson, number two, Terry Kill, number one. So Miko Hardman, anytime he's on the field, he, he has it's just more reps for Miko Hardman to get better. And I think that he can get on the trajectory to eventually surpass Demarcus Robinson and become the full time starter. So I think that this is good for him. Uh, you mentioned Chenault, uh, Henry Ruggs. So Henry Ruggs finally came back this week. I don't know if he's going to be available in your, your leagues because he was pretty heavily drafted before, but he, he, he's been hurt for a few weeks and just has been quiet. He had a big game against the, the chiefs, even with only two catches. He, he looks explosive. And I think that he can really open things up for this offense and was a, a pretty big focal point in beating the chiefs overall. So, I think that covers pretty much everyone for this week. Uh, okay, so the first player I want to talk about, because you mentioned my guy, who I admitted I was wrong on, and if I have the chance to fucking get back on this train, I will. And that's what I'm going <laughs> to do with Miko Hardman. Um, looking at his snap shares the last few weeks, it's pretty much he's been like the Sammy Watkins. I don't want to say handcuff, but he's been at from week two and on 65, 39, 46, 69. So if Sammy Watkins is not playing – Miko Hardman is going to be close to a full-time player. Uh, Travis Kelsey, Tyler, Tyreek Hill are pretty much the two guys that are always on the field for them. But the Chiefs, this year more so than ever, have been platooning their guys. Um, they, they will kind of have these lineups where they'll throw Byron Pringle and like the backup tight end and Daryl Williams in for a few plays. I don't know what the point of those lineups are, but they do do that. So 69% and 65% is pretty much a full-time player for the Kansas City Chiefs. 
And Miko Hardman has done way more with his targets than Demarcus Robinson. Demarcus Robinson has seen a grand total of 15 targets this year, and he has 50 total yards. And Miko Hardman, I can tell you, is for sure over 50 total yards. He's at 194 on two more targets. So Miko Hardman has been more efficient. We know he's going to be an efficient guy. He's a big play guy. He's a splash play dude. But it can happen any given week. So are you going to feel comfortable starting him? No. You're honestly fucking insane for doing so. But if you have no one else to play, Miko Hardman is not that bad of a start. If your team is absolute garbage and you need some high upside, this dude is a walking 20-point lottery ticket any given week, but he could also just be zero points. It is literally like taking a scratch off from your local gas station and hoping you win a million dollars. But the chances are actually not that bad with Miko Hardman because he's playing with Pat Mahomes. He's the third option, so he's never going to be the focal point of the defense. People tend to forget about him going deep. Even the Ravens did. So there's always a chance with Miko Hardman. There's always a chance. That's all I want to say. There's always a chance with Miko Hardman any given week, especially with Sammy Watkins out. This dude being the number two receiver with how explosive he is in this Kansas City offense could be very, very fun. Um, outside of that, um, obviously we talked about Travis Fulkham, LaVisca Chenault, Henry Ruggs. It's crazy because he didn't even need that high volume, but he's making plays now. That first catch of the game was contested catch, beautiful over, I believe, Rashad Fenton, who is a walking defensive pass interference penalty. He doesn't get called for it that often, but he holds a lot, to say the least. But Henry Ruggs is making plays now. He's getting this, – this Raiders offense is starting to the, – the, the gears are starting to turn a little bit. They're starting to get going with Henry Ruggs in the lineup. 40 points on the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't care if they force turnovers, whatever. 40 bomb on the Chiefs is very exciting. So that's obviously really cool. Um, let's see. What other player? I feel like there's one. Oh, Preston Williams is a player that I want to mention as well. Coming off that ACL injury, there's a chance he was getting, like, back in form. He was getting off rust, getting, like, confidence in his knee. Went for over 100 yards, I believe, and a touchdown against the San Francisco 49ers. It was an absolute massacre. Made no sense to me. But he's a good player that I would also try to see if he's on the waiver wire because he was unproductive for a few weeks and might've been dropped based on the lack of target share or whatever. But Preston Williams looks like he's playing Dolphins offense is in rhythm and Fitzpatrick is playing great. And as long as he's playing good, Parker Gasicki and uh, Preston Williams can all eat. And if he's playing bad, then two is coming in and then you could see Preston Williams become the number one receiver. So there's some good upside with him. If he's off the waiver wire, go ahead and pick him up. Outside of that, I really don't know. Uh, you mentioned the quarterbacks that I wanted to mention. You mentioned the receivers that I left out. I think you pretty much covered it all. Um, yeah, we got some buys, buys and sells coming soon, but that's pretty much it for the waiver wire episode. That wraps up our week six waiver wire pod. If you want us to answer your questions, make sure to ask us on social media. Our social media accounts are linked in the description of this podcast. We may be adding another episode with a spot guest later on in the week with more Dynasty-based content, kind of like a quarter season review sort of deal. So stay tuned for that around Thursday or Friday. And thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button.